Kyle, this is such an important question. Oh, okay. Um, uh, I'm prepared. Favorite comic strip? Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. So, like, here's the deal. There's three that I want to talk about here, okay? Okay. Maybe keep it tight, though. Two of my favorites, just because I love them because they're quirky. <laughs> okay. Hagar the Horrible and The Wizard of It. Yes. And those two are like linked in my brain. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, they're like the same, just different classes of society. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but to me, undoubtedly, the king of comic strips is Garfield. I had Garfield sure. comic strip books when I was a kid. And just like everyone is a classic. Like, how could you not love Garfield? Absolutely. Garfield is a good one. And now Chris Pratt's going to play him and <laughs> ruin it for everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Butter No Parsnips. Every week on Butter No Parsnips, your hosts Emily Moyers and Kyle Imperator take you on an adventure through the weird, wacky, wonderful, and sometimes even wicked world of one wayside word. Strange characters, delightful bits, and general joyousness abound. Join them as they test each other's etymological expertise. Welcome, everybody. I'm Kyle Imperator. And I'm Emily Moyers. And if we're not talking about comics today, Emily, I will eat my hat. I'll be black and blue and red all over. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, very good, Kyle. But you don't know what we're talking about yet. I don't. Because I I haven't given you the word. You haven't, and I'm prepared for it, Emily. Read it and weep. (laughs) Your word today, Kyle... (laughs) is Grawlix. G-R-A-W-L-I-X. I think I know what this means. <gasps> Do you? Oh, yeah, but I'm going to ask all the questions first. Go for it. Oof, Grawlix. This is a noun. It is a noun. Something is a Grawlix. Uh, where does it come from language-wise? Is it just like a, an English creation? It it is an English nonce word, a nonce word, a nonce word, yeah. nonce word. made up on the spot, and it's not some sort of alien from a <laughs> from an early two thousands <laughs> Nat Geo show, right? I mean, not not in the sense that we're going to talk about today. <laughs> okay, because <laughs> there's some pretty crazy things on those shows. That's fair, Emily. Uh, before I take my guess, I'd like a hint. Okay, I got a good hint for you, Kyle. Just to get me, like, perfectly on track, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kyle, your one-word clue is... Oh, jeez. <laughs> I mean, okay, well... <laughs> uh, does this confirm your suspicions? Have I led you in a different direction? Talk me through where you're at. You've led me in a different direction, but now I know oh. exactly what it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what do you think it is? Is a Grawlix... The series of random symbols used uh, in place of a curse word in a comic strip. Kyle, 100% perfect. (laughs) What were you going to say it was? (laughs) For some reason, I thought, like, I was, I knew it was, like, had something to do with the text. And I thought it was just, like, maybe, like, a a text bubble was a Grawlix. Ah, well, we'll talk about what a text bubble is. But a Grawlix is, as you say, a series of images or symbols used to indicate profanity in the speech bubbles of comic strips. So good. I, I mean, honestly, it's one of those things that's, like, 
we need a word for this and we should be using it every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, Grawlixes today often consist of, of the punctuation marks and the symbols that run across the top of your keyboard. You know, your hashtag, your dollar sign, your exclamation point. But they can also include like little drawings or even just scribbles or really anything unpronounceable that implies profanity. Wingdings. Yeah. Wingdings would also, yeah. yeah, really anything. And as you might imagine from a word like Grawlix, it was in fact just made up. There is no etymological origin. And it was made up by a cartoonist named Mort Walker. Have you heard of this man? Hmm. Uh, Mort Walker sounds like, uh, you know, yeah, when you have, that door, huh? <laughs> you know, like in TV shows that are like post-apocalyptic and they don't want to call a zombie a zombie. <laughs> That's what a Mort Walker sounds like. <laughs> well, that is just a walker, but <laughs> have you heard of the comic strip Beetle Bailey or perhaps it's spinoff High and Lois? Beetle Bailey, I'm trying to picture it. I, why do I picture like someone in a helmet? Is that Beetle Bailey? Yeah, it's it's about uh, soldiers. It's like some um, yes. low-ranking soldier, Beetle Bailey. Yes, yes, yes. yes yeah, yes. and then there was a spinoff, High and Lois, about I think one of the like minor characters. But yeah, both of those comic strips written by Mort Walker. But in 1964, Walker wrote a piece for the National Cartoonist Society called Let's Get Down to Grawlixes. And he was talking sort of jokingly about the importance of what he calls Kamikana, i.e. the terminology of comic strip drawing, the jargon of cartooning. Kyle, can you think of any Kamikana that you know? That's like specific to comics? Or, or, or whatever's springing to mind. Well, the first thing that came to my mind was panel, uh, which is just sure. very generic. Yeah, yeah, but that is what you call the little box. Uh, is there is there a term for all of the um like when they're writing out the noises, the splunches and the scranks and the bronks and the bells, oh, like and all the, the like bonk or whatever <laughs> yeah, word comes there's out. There's got to be yeah. a word for that. There probably is, but Walker, in in the context of this piece that he wrote, says that these these terms are really important. It's important for people to know them. I have a quote here. Walker says, "Quote." As the world begins to recognize that cartooning is an art form, I have become increasingly aware of the world's lack of knowledge about our profession. They are exhibiting our work now in the Louvre, the Smithsonian, and the Metropolitan, and they are discussing cartoons in broad flowing terms such as social significance, illuminated narrative, and primitive mm. commentary. <laughs> but not one of them knows the difference between such basic comicana as the wafterome and the endotherm. A what? <laughs> 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 yeah, and he goes on to talk about several other terms, some of which were made up by himself and some made up by other cartoonists. He calls out one by name Charlie Rice. But as he's discussing all these terms on the subject of cursing, he says, quote, a variety of acceptable curse words are at the cartoonist's disposal. He may throw in a new one from time to time, but the real meat of the epithet must always contain plenty of jarns, quimps, niddles, and grolixes. <sighs> <laughs> Wait, what are the three other things if the Grawlix is <laughs> Well, so Kyle, confused. the great news is that I can tell you all about Jarns, Quimps, Niddles, and Grawlixes because oh. later in 1980, Mort Walker published a book titled Lexicon of Comicana. Oh my gosh, Emily, <laughs> how do I not own five copies of this? 
<laughs> well, I was going to ask if you have heard of this book, Kyle. I, I have not. So the Lexicon of Comicana, it's a fantastic little book, just loads of funny little words like that. And mm-hmm. it's also fun because the terms are rarely defined in like written out words, but usually just in drawings that show you what it is. And it's sort of also cool because it's sort of a beginner's guide to comic strip drawing. Like he talks about, you know, how different ways to draw your characters and different ways to like get things across in your panels and, and things like that. And I think the book is like known in the art world, like, you know, art schools will like bring it up as a moment in the history of cartooning. Sure. And like, probably a really significant text for learning about cartooning. Yeah, it is. But like very short and sweet. It's lovely. And you can find it on Internet Archive. It's lovely. Oh, wonderful. Just to share an example on a page of the lexicon titled Maledicta, Walker writes, quote, Even in today's permissive society, many four-letter words are not permissible in the comics. Hmm. Cartoonists, therefore, have had to develop acceptable substitutes. A first sergeant would lose a lot of his charm if he said, Gee whiz, Beetle, you make me so terribly mad. (laughs) And he then shows examples of jarns, which are spirals of varying shapes. Quimps, which are little drawings of moons and planets. Niddles, which are stars and asterisks. And Grawlixes, which are just, like, scribbles. Oh, okay. So are these used individually, like, in different circumstances? No, you, I think, would combine the the bunch. Oh, just for whatever mood you're trying to convey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. And I will say, on the page where those four terms are listed out, Grawlix is just a scribble. But on the cover art of the book, there's a few terms defined just on the cover of the book and one of them there's like a speech bubble with a spiral a pound sign and an exclamation point sure and that is labeled as grawlixes sure so sure. i think he also sort of meant like grawlixes can be an umbrella term for the lot sure yeah yeah i mean that makes sense you know you can't expect the masses to be able to remember all those sophisticated terms. <laughs> what were they Charms again and quimps quarps yeah. and <laughs> yep, you got it what's a what's quimp a quarp quimp is fun in that uh, qu- uh yeah <laughs> Okay, you ready? Um, yeah. It's uh, it's a picture of a marshmallow that's been put into the microwave, so it's like really big, <laughs> like a melted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a quarp. <laughs> so Grawlix, the word appeared in the like I said the the seventies and eighties, but Grawlix, the concept, uh, we have examples going back to the very very early nineteen hundreds. Wow. Yeah. Kyle, do you know of any political cartoons? Well, do you know of any comic strips that might go back that far? (sighs) I mean, the only one that I can think of. (laughs) Yeah, you got it. Is Pip Pip Squeak and Henry (laughs) uh, Mudge. What was the third guy? (laughs) Pip Pip Squeak was what I was talking about. Wilfred. Right, the Wilfredian League of Gugnugs. Are we talking about Pipsqueak today? <laughs> we are not. Oh, okay. Pipsqueak and Wilfred is a little bit later. That that first appeared in 1919. There's also, to talk about earlier ones, there's The Yellow Kid. Oh, The Yellow Kid! Which you talked about a little while ago, but that was on Patreon, which means I can convince the rest of our audience that I did this <laughs> research myself. <laughs> yes, absolutely. All you... <laughs> 
<laughs> the Yellow Kid was created by Richard Outcalt in the 1890s and is generally agreed to be the first newspaper comic to feature speech bubbles and sequential narratives across panels. Uh, really impressive, honestly. For 1890-something, for sure. Yeah. And for such a strange cartoon. <laughs> yes. It's, yeah. I don't even really understand what the yellow kid is about. Just this haunted child, really. <laughs> really. <laughs> you know, I, it's it's that cusp between comics can just be entertainment and comics have to have some sort of moral analogy. <laughs> <laughs> some sort of narrative. War. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. There was another one called The Cats and Jammer Kids, created by Rudolf Dirk, also in the 1890s. And the that one. Kids. Yes, with two Ks. And that one is known for being the longest running comic strip ever, as its last what? original strip was published in 2009. I don't even freaking believe you, Emily. Yeah. What? And it is still distributing reprints now. I, uh, what? What From the is 1890s. <laughs> what is this, kids, Emily? It's like about a family that live on a boat. It's, that I'm one's sorry. also very weird. Did did someone live for a hundred years to? Why was this still being published this late? <laughs> People there were take new over ones being when the original. <laughs> yes, there no, were no, no, there no, were new no. ones being written up through 2009. <sighs> That's crazy to me. That's insane. Yeah. Wow. This is I, it's, fun. <laughs> it must be well beloved by somebody. <laughs> by somebody. Another one, Kyle, is Lady Bountiful, created by Gene Carr in the 19 aughts. What was the guess? I love there? all of these names. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Lady Bountiful is, I think, a term for like a benevolent woman, like a, a charitable right. woman. And the the comic strip is about like a, a very wealthy woman who takes in like street kids. So she's like a very well-to-do woman and is constantly dealing with these like dirty, swearing street children. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> But that one is generally thought to be the first newspaper comic strip with a female protagonist, which wow. is cool. That is cool. Yeah. What year was that? The, it started in like 1901, I think. Wow. Wow. So yeah. like, that's pretty early on in like comic history. Yes. And the first appearance of a Grawlix was likely in Lady Bountiful in a strip from 1901. Man, it's one of those things that's hard to say for sure, because like, it's just a matter of digging through newspaper archives and seeing if you could find an earlier one. Yeah. So there is a chance that an earlier one. You didn't do that for this, Emily? I didn't. I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes. But like, there's always a chance that there's an earlier example of a Grolix and maybe one that isn't archived anywhere that can't be found outside the year 1899. (laughs) <laughs> right. Because like Cats and Jammer Kids did exist before Lady Bountiful. And there are a lot of examples of that comic using Grolixes in the early aughts. So there's every odds that they might have done it first. But the earliest example that has been located is from a Lady Bountiful comic strip in 1901 titled Lady Bountiful in a False Light. And basically, 
Lady Bountiful comes across one of these street children nailing up a cellar door. And she's like, oh, what's what's going on here? And then from out of the cellar door are like cries to let me out, let me out. <laughs> and there's one of the little speech lines coming out of the cellar door, door is an asterisk and an exclamation point. So And that's funny. like a very early Grawlix. Yeah. And the reason that it's titled Lady Bountiful in a False Light is because she shoes the kid that's nailing down the door away. And then the kid that's trapped in the cellar pops out and he's like, why'd you lock me down there? At Lady Bountiful. So funny. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, you know, really approaching good. a punchline. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It is approaching a punchline. Not there yet, but. <laughs> Oh, wow. That's fun. And then there was another one from, I think, just a few weeks later in 1901, where Lady Bountiful comes across a couple of older boys who are talking to each other and a younger, like, toddler who's standing there next to them. And the older boys are cussing a lot. There's, like, a speech bubble that is just full of symbols. And she's like, oh, my goodness, how horrible that it is that this baby boy is listening to it. I'm like, are you listening to this language? And then the <laughs> toddler turns around and he's like, yeah, ain't it great? <laughs> <laughs> The voice helps, Emily. <laughs> Thank you. I'm trying to really spice sells it up, it. you know? Yeah. <laughs> so those were the first Grawlixes, Kyle. I love that. I, I mean, really, an important part of just, like, I feel like American history, like, of art history, animation history, but, like, Americana is these comic strips. So it's cool to, you know kind of travel back in time and see the history of that little like technical jargon there. Now, as I mentioned before, I should confess, I did not do this digging through early comic strips myself. Yeah. yeah credit okay. where credit is due. I found this research across several posts on a blog called Language Log, which features articles oh. from a bunch of different writers. But the articles in question are by somebody named Benjamin Zimmer. He wrote a few articles through the 2010s trying to track down the earliest Grawlixes. However, oh. he does not call them Grawlixes, saying instead that he prefers to call them obscenicons. <gasps> That's good too. Isn't it good? That's very Obscenicon, good. That is a word that Zimmer himself coined in 2006 in other posts he made for Language Log about Grawlixes. That's so fun. I, I don't know. It's it's a little, it's like the academic version of Grawlix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The it's obscenicon. like you find out, oh, this has a, a Latin derived word, huh? Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like when, you, it's like the species name and then the common name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, it's got obscenicon, a binomial obscenicon. scientific name. <laughs> yeah. 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 I've been reading Mike's book. <laughs> Yeah, good, 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 good. Uh, so in 2006, Benjamin Zimmer made a bunch of posts about what he was initially calling cursing characters. I assume because at that point he did not know the word Grawlix. And in particular, he was entertained by comic strips that acknowledge Grawlix's in a meta way. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you an example. One of the posts that he made was showing a comic strip called Mother Goose and Grimm. And oh. in the initial couple panels, Grimm, who's a dog, walks into the edge of a table and he bonks his head on the table and mm. an explicative comes out that is uh, a spiral, a star, a hashtag, and a question mark. <laughs> and then in the corner, one of the other characters says, Grimm just said the spiral word. <laughs> Which is very funny. <laughs> that is very funny. I like the idea of the spiral word just being used as a euphemism for a curse word. Yes. 
<laughs> he talks about another one from a Beetle Bailey cartoon where the sergeant is, he chews Beetle out with a string of symbols ending in hashtag exclamation point, exclamation point. <laughs> and Beetle laughs. He says, hashtag? Nobody says hashtag anymore. <laughs> so just like, gee, I always thought hashtag was an all-time classic cussing. <laughs> So uh, um, Benjamin Zimmer made a bunch of posts about comics like that. And in one of those posts, he very passingly says, here's the latest example of cartoon meta commentary on cursing characters, parentheses, let's call them obscenicons. And then in all future posts, he refers to them exclusively as obscenicons. <laughs> I mean, as as one should, if one is trying to coin a word. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. You got to be consistent. I feel like I love all of those posts because... They are very early internet blogger posts, you know? Sure, sure, yeah. It's like it's like I'm I'm watching my dad on the internet in the early 2000s, yeah. you know? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and it just makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> Those were simpler times. Absolutely. That was when the internet was full of just wholesome people having goofs. Yeah, yeah, and and really, you know, spending sometimes upwards of ten minutes just trying to get on the internet to have those goofs, you know, it was really yeah, an effort. They were passionate. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, Kyle. Do you prefer a Grawlix or a Senecon? I think I think I prefer Grawlix. I just because it it it's so strange and it mm -hmm. feels so comic-y. But Obscenicon yeah. is like. I, I feel like we could just have them as synonymous terms. Like, there's no reason they can't exi both exist, you know, at the same time. I mean, they can certainly both exist, Kyle. I want you to choose your favorite because that's the one you're going to use in a sentence right now. Oh, well, Grawlix is my favorite. Well, Kyle, then you got to use Grawlix in a sentence for oh, me. Gulp. <sighs> <laughs> there's probably a Comic-Cana word for that, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Since I work at a public library, I could really use a Grawlix every now and then when I make a large mistake. <laughs> yeah, a real-world Grawlix. <laughs> yeah, would be really beneficial to me. Otherwise, I'm going to be fired pretty soon. <laughs> Boy, is this a, a, a Dilbert strip we're looking at? Yeah, yeah my tie's sticking straight up. <laughs> Emily, awesome word. Thank you for bringing us between the pages of Kamakana to uh, discover Grawlix and Obscenicon, two just wonderful uh, pieces of history here. Uh, they are really good words. Uh, Kyle, we got to play a game now, don't we? We got to play a game. I mean, listen... You know what I'm about to do right now, because it's the only thing we can do now that we've discovered the lexicon of Kamakana. Oh, God. No, I don't know. What's going on? We're, we're going to talk about words from that book. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, we gotta, right? So I know, absolutely. Game... I've, I literally want to know so many more words. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kyle, I've got a bunch here. Today's game Good. is very uncreatively called Kamakana. I'm going to give you terms from Mort Walker's lexicon, and I'd like you to tell me what they mean. All right. Lay them on me. So the first two sort of come as a pair because we've mentioned them already. Kyle, what do you think waftarome and endotherm mean? Oh, I, I was really hoping you would tell me what those were earlier. <laughs> now that I have to guess, I'm mad. I mean, they're kind of in the name. Waftarome and endotherm? 
Yeah. Um, they come as a pair. I will say that almost all of the words I have for you fall under the category of what Mort Walker calls emanata, meaning things that emanate from things. Oh, okay. Th- good. Yes, I know then. There's a little squiggly lines that appear. Wafterome, I think, is just for the scent of something. And endotherm is like if to show something is hot. Kyle, the steam lines. Perfect. Two for two. I freaking love that they have names. Yes. <laughs> They do, I mean, they have names that Mort Walker made up. How often these words get used, I don't know, but, but they're good But words. they can be used now that I know they exist. <laughs> they now can, that the masses yeah. know they exist. That's right. We're, well, this is an assignment to you all to start using <laughs> <Yeah>. these words. <laughs> yeah, a wafterome is like the sort of lines flowing through a room to show you that something smells good. And then endotherm are like little lines drifting up. From like the coffee mug to show you that the mm-hmm. coffee's hot. <laughs> so good. Kyle, what do you think pludes are? P-L-E-W-D-S. P-L-E-W-D, pludes. Um, I mean, just by s- mouthfeel, plude. I, I, is it like sweat drops? Kyle, yes, it is. Wow. That's I incredible. Mean, he, he, it's just he made a good word for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pludes are like sweat droplets coming out of a person's head demonstrating panic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, good. You know, when they're like not dripping down their head, but like springing out. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. good, pludes. Love that. Nice, you're three for three. What about squeens? Oh. S-Q-U-E-A-N-S. Oh, I mean, I, I want to say, I'm trying to think of like, imagery in comic books is it just like noise lines it's not oh, can i get a hand yeah sure i will tell you squeens would also be coming out of a person's head or around a person's head oh is it just like lines around a head to show nervousness it's not squeens right, are me. like little popping bubbles around a person's head showing drunkenness Oh, okay. Yeah. I only read sober comics, so I would never would have seen any of those. <laughs> yeah, Kyle, Kyle only reads prohibition comics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kyle. I think you can pull it back with these last two that I've got here. Okay. All right. What do you think Briffits are? B R I F F I T. Oh. Mm mm. Mm mm. I can probably give you a hint for this one, too. Yeah, I'll take the hint. I would say in an animation context, you probably see Briffitts around Wile E. Coyote and Roadrunner a lot. Oh, is it? Um, I've got two guesses, so I'm going to say them both, right. and you're just going to say I got it right, because one of them's right. Okay. <laughs> is it like dust clouds around someone running or the, the spiral circles around like a legs? You got it the first time. The, the dust clouds kicked up by a person running away. That is, I mean, that's what that word sounds like. He's, yeah. he's really good at this name thing. Mort Walker about Briffitt says, Note that Briffitts are permissible even if the floor is marble and highly polished. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Very good. All right, last one, Kyle. You ready? What do you think a leucaflect is? L-U-C-A-F-L-E-C-T. Leucaflect. Leucaflect. This one is not Luca-flect. an example of emanata. This is different. Oh. Okay, a leucaflect. I don't know. 
I'll say the flecked part is important. Right. I'm going to guess it's like a mirror image of uh, the film Luca. It's just <laughs> it's just the film, but backwards. <laughs> it is not. A Luca flecked is the reflection of a window drawn onto an object to demonstrate that it is round, wet, or shiny. So good. <laughs> I didn't know that had a name. Yeah. So like if you draw a doorknob and you want to show that it is like spherical, you would do like a little, a little you know, sort of four squares to show like a four paned window, but with a curve on it that shows you that it's round. Yeah, absolutely. That is so good. That's <laughs> so good. About Lucaflex, Mort Walker says, quote, it doesn't matter if a window is nowhere near. You will probably never be questioned about it. If you are, clam up and give only your name, rank and serial <laughs> number. <laughs> Very good. Well, Kai, you got four out of six, which is pretty darn good. Honestly, I think we need to thank Mort Walker because just him giving name to these concepts makes them feel so much more real and palpable, you know, so much more accessible. So I am floored. Super fun stuff all around. And uh, thanks to Mort Walker. Thanks to Benjamin Zimmer for all of the information I stole from you. (laughs) Yes. Thank you, Benjamin Zimber. And I guess there's no time like today. Uh, thanks to all of you at home. Uh, remember, you can find Butter No Parsnips on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at Butter No Parsnips Podcast, and on TikTok at Butter No Parsnips. And if you like today's episode, consider giving us a five-star rating or review wherever you heard us. And if you really like today's episode, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash butternoparsnips. Donating $5 or more earns you a shout-out either on social media or here here on the podcast. Thanks so much to all of you. You help us make what we make. And with that, I've been Emily Moyers. And I've been Kyle Imperator. And this has been Butter No Parsnips. Butter No Parsnips.